0: W L R N edition 86 Broadcasting in three, two, one. I was born woman, off my knees, I will stand for my liberation, sisters rise again. I was born woman off
1: my knees, I will stand. My liberation, rise and rise again.
0: Greetings and welcome to the 86th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, June 1st. This is Jenna, WLRN sound producer and grateful lesbian. This month's edition focuses on the field of social work and its women-driven roots. We'll hear an excerpt of a discussion I had with Gwen Hoffman, a nonprofit worker who recognizes social work as being uniquely female-powered. In the lovely park we sat in at dusk last Thursday, she talked to me about all the ways women worked to remedy social ills over time in communities and the general acceptance of the progressive era as the birth of what we traditionally understand as social work. Though it is what Gwen refers to as non-traditional social work, such as support within indigenous and religious communities, networking amongst women to mobilize efforts for change, self-starting initiatives before a time when patriarchy validated and gate-kept social work, that puts women at the heart of the profession. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's Mary O'Neill with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, June 1st, 2023.
2: The queen of rock and roll and music legend, Tina Turner, died on Wednesday, May 24th, at the age of 83. Apart from being one of the most popular black female solo artists of all time, with a music career spanning across 50 years, Turner used her powerful voice to speak out against male violence. Her openness about the abuse she endured in her marriage to Ike Turner, as well as her choice to leave him and launch her solo career, helped push forward the public conversation about domestic violence in the early 1980s and made her an icon to women around the world. The jury in Manhattan, New York, found Donald Trump guilty of sexually abusing E. Carroll over 20 years ago. Carroll is just one of nearly 20 women who've accused Trump of varying degrees of sexual misconduct. After the verdict, CNN hosted a televised town hall with Trump who used the platform to both insult Carol and repeat lies with the 2020 presidential election. Following the town hall, Carol announced that she would file a defamation suit. (laughs) Goldman Sachs has opted to pay $215 million to settle a sex discrimination lawsuit brought on by nearly 3,000 women. Sachs was accused of harming women's career advancement as well as paying them less than male employees. The suit was originally filed in 2010 by three women and became class action in 2018 covering women who held titles such as vice, president, or associate. On May 16th, Standing for Women Queensland and Jasmine Sussex were contacted by Twitter and told that their tweets regarding a trans-identified male, Jennifer Buckley, who claimed to breastfeed, had violated Australian law. Sussex has devoted years to advocating for breastfeeding mothers as a volunteer, but was fired for refusing to incorporate gender-neutral language into her role. She was also removed from the Australian Breastfeeding Association after nearly 20 years of service. In total one tweet of Sussex and five tweets of standing for women Queensland were censored for Australian Twitter users. The prosecutor's office in Mexico State has withdrawn a case against Roxana Ruiz, who was sentenced to six years in prison and a fine of more than $16,000 in reparations for killing the man who raped her. She had been found guilty of homicide with excessive use of legitimate defense. Protesters in Mexico City carried signs that read, defending my life isn't a crime. Prosecutors subsequently withdrew the case after examining it and finding that Ruiz was exempt from guilt. Men kill an average of 10 women or girls every day in Mexico, which has one of the world's highest femicide rates. Book critic for the New York Magazine, Andrea Long Chu, has been announced as the recipient of the 2023 Pulitzer Prize in Criticism. Chu is a trans-identified man who is best known for his book entitled Females, in which he describes his obsession with sissy porn and how it informs his female identity. Lawmakers in South Carolina passed a six-week abortion ban, leading to an immediate lawsuit filed by Planned Parenthood South Atlantic, the Greenville Women's Clinic, and two physicians. Circuit Court Judge Clifton Newman has blocked the new legislation until the state Supreme Court has the opportunity to review the case. As a result, abortions are still permitted until 20 weeks. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force has announced that all women who are at average risk for breast cancer should begin routine mammograms at age 40 as opposed to 50 which was the age previously recommended. This recommendation comes amidst an increase in breast cancer diagnoses in women under 50, as well as a failure to address the survival gap for young black women who die of breast cancer at twice the rate of white women their age. The US Food and Drug Administration has approved a new drug for treating moderate to severe menopausal symptoms. The drug, Vioza, is a non-hormonal medication that is intended to alleviate hot flashes, as it targets a neuron that becomes unbalanced due to decreasing estrogen levels. In a win for women's rights across the pond, British Cycling has banned trans-identified men from participating in the female category. The cycling body states that this new policy is predicated on fairness and trans-identified men will still be able to compete in the open category with other men. Emily Bridges, a well-known trans-identified male cyclist, criticized the move and accused British Cycling of committing a violent act. In an interview with Diva Magazine, Bridges claimed, I don't have any advantage over my competitors and I've got data to back that up. However, British Cycling based their policy and research proving that, even with testosterone suppression, trans-identified men who transition post-puberty retain a performance advantage. In Scotland, the participation in the Edinburgh Festival Fringe show of SNP MP Joanna Cherry, a vocal critic of Scotland's gender recognition plans, was cancelled after staff complaints. Cherry discussed taking legal action and soon The Stand, which was scheduled to host the show in which she'll appear, declared the decision to cancel the show was unfair and constituted unlawful discrimination against Ms. Cherry. The stand also apologized to Cherry in a public statement that said, We have always been clear that we oppose all forms of discrimination and recognize the rights of individuals to air views with which we may disagree. Cherry accepted the apology and the show will carry on as originally planned. On May 22nd, Reem Salam, the UN Special Rapporteur on Violence Against Women and Girls, issued a statement in which she expressed concern of the shrinking space in several countries in the global north for women and feminist organizations and their allies to gather and or express themselves peacefully in demanding respect for their needs based on their sex and or sexual orientation." She went on to emphasize frequent smear campaigns launched against women who speak out and the lack of proper protection from law enforcement. She ended her statement by saying, Attempts to silence women based on the views they hold regarding the scope of gender identity in sex and law and in practice and the rights associated with these severely affects their participation in society in dignity and in safety. That concludes WLRN's World News Segment for Thursday, June 1st, 2023. I'm Mary O'Neill. Share your news stories, announcements, and tips with us by emailing info at wlrnmedia.com and letting us know what's going on.
3: That was Tina Turner with her song, We Don't Need Another Hero, from the year 1985. All hail to Miss Turner as she crosses over to the other side. She is truly a queen of rock and roll. Next up is our interview with Gwen Hoffman. Gwen has spent the last 25 years in a variety of roles, all concerned with supporting others. Be it as a mental health tech or childcare specialist in crisis intervention, CPS investigating, or case management she holds degrees in psychology and american studies has studied sociology and women's studies and is currently pursuing her phd in history her view on women's place in social work is encapsulated in the title of eleanor roosevelt's 1933 book it's up to the women quote there have been other great crises in our country and i think if we read our history carefully we will find that the success of our nation in meeting them was largely due to the women in those trying times. Upon them fell a far heavier burden and responsibility than any of us realize. Women, whether subtly or vociferously, have always been a tremendous power in the destiny of the world." End quote.
0: So we're here with Gwen Hoffman, who is talking to us today about women in social work, the history of women in social work. Thank you so much for being here with us, Gwen. Can you start by telling us about yourself and your credentials and where your expertise lies (laughs) on this
4: subject? I am a jack of all trades, a master of none. I am a professional student, (laughs) so my academic background is largely in psychology, sociology, Um, when I first started it it was called women's studies, Mm -hmm. gender studies, um, gender history, Then I also have a background in political communications, um, American studies, and cultural history, um, with some specialties in military history and gender history. The presentation that I watched, was that part of your degree? Nope. No? No. Okay. So I've been working in the social work field for just under 25 years. Okay. Um, Working for the same nonprofit in various levels of care from very, very... um, unintrusive levels of care all the way up into inpatient levels of care. Um, Predominantly worked with children and their families for all this time. And the presentation came about because we we do offer these um, monthly, we call them cafes, where anybody can kind of come and watch. And I was approached about doing something woman-centered. I wanted to do something for Women's History Month. I didn't see it being recognized in our company, and we are very predominantly women, you know, run, there are, we serve a lot of women, it's, we make up a large portion of, of the population. So I was tasked with, okay, we'll do something about it. So I decided I would, you know, do a presentation on women and social work. Largely with the goal, one, to celebrate women, womanhood, The work that we've done that's on the record, that's off the record. And I think that my historian brain came in because in my past, I've learned that you have to seek your own history if you don't seek your own history. Like, if you don't really go in with an intention, you're going to miss a lot, especially if you're not in the majority, if you're not possibly middle to upper class, white, Anglican, American, um type of background, you're going to miss a lot of your history. And I was reflecting on it, and I was thinking back on my own historical teachings from grade school all the way up into college, my bachelor's level, and you really don't even hear a lot about women, period. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's kind of where it it went, was let's look into this, let's look at the history of women, what's recorded, Mm -hmm. and then expand on it. Because even what's recorded in a lot of the major institutes is really still middle class, upper class, educated, white American women. So I was hoping to just give a preview of other history. Fill in some gaps. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk about what social work is? define it mention what's required to have success as a social worker so that's the other thing is i think that i'm i was hoping to just broaden the idea of that too because i think that sometimes we just make things way too narrow people love these boxes and the boxes keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and and we we just continue to exclude and exclude and exclude and when you look at The definition of social work. The definition of social work, it's got these, you have to have these credentials and you have to have these ethics and you have to have, you know, all of these classes and you have to have licenses and you have to, and there's just so many things. And realistically, again, all of that does is exclude all of the tremendously hard work that women have done from the moment we stepped foot on this earth. And it helps erase a lot of our history It erases, you know, the letter-writing campaigns. It erases the history of people creating their own breakfast clubs in educational institutions. It erases access to medical care in rural communities as well as for non-white communities in certain time periods. Like, people had to do this on their own, and I would consider that Mm -hmm. social work. It's the work of society. So, to me, it's a broader, you know, definition. When you talk about breakfast clubs, you mean like Black Panthers? Absolutely. So, that's my aha moment. You know what? I love that you just recognize that. (laughs) So, this was my aha moment into history. So, I remember I had finished my bachelor's degree, still thought I was kind of smart, I started to go in towards my master's degree, and I was in a political science class, and m- one of my professors, he brought in one of the foundational members of the Black Panthers to come and speak to us. What an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. But now f- think back to it. I grew up in a very small, lower-middle- class, white community. I mean, I graduated with about 90 kids, mm-hmm. and think about what my history books probably told me about Black Panthers. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely had an image created in my head, the pictures that you might see in that history book. And those pictures that you see in that history book when you're in ninth grade don't really reflect a kind picture. So I can admit that that's the picture I had in my head. That's all I was given. I didn't seek out the history, right? So I go into college and they bring this guy in and he's sitting down and he's giving this talk about everything that they've done. And I was like, wait, hold on. You guys have done all of these different things. I don't want you to you know can, that. Absolutely that sounds, not. Yeah. And that was my aha moment. Mm-hmm. That was the second that I bought into history because before that I thought, well, it doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. And that's a privileged thing to be able to say, right? You mm-hmm. know. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, that's a, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't matter, so on and so forth. And then I sat there and I was like, holy hell, I- I've been lied to my whole entire life, right? <laughs> so then I started to seek it out.
0: Yeah, I was actually, was it because of your presentation that I was reading about that? How the president, they shut down the Black Panther's operations but then co-opted? Absolutely.
4: Shit. Absolutely. We're famous <laughs> for that. I mean, our country was founded it's on amazing. it. And I don't mean to sound ungrateful, I am so grateful for every day I wake up, oh, no, yeah. where I wake up, what I have, the luxuries, the freedoms, the, the access. But again, I mean, we've definitely been founded on co-opting other people's ideas. Colonialism, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, right. absolutely. But again, yeah. you don't know it unless you look for it, sure. because nobody tells you. Because again, history is written by the winners. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
4: You know, and I think that that's another thing too when it comes to women's history is I think people have gotten complacent. Oh, we have it good. Mm-hmm. What do we have to fight for? Oh, yeah. You know, that that doesn't apply to us. Mm-hmm. And we're missing so much. And I I, I got angry again <laughs> last night. Like, I was watching that documentary, um, Victim to Suspect. Okay. And they were talking about how women who report rape, in many cases, not all cases, in many cases they had found in the United States, women had reported rapes. And then were kind of... Led purposefully, you know, through the interrogation. So instead of doing a forensic interview with a survivor, police officers, and again, I'm not police blaming because mm-hmm. that's not a job that I can do. Mm-hmm. I don't have that courage. Mm-hmm. But some police officers would then kind of lead to an interrogation on the survivor, and then they became more of a suspect. Mm-hmm. And then women were kind of cajoled into dropping it mm-hmm. because, again, they were made to feel like, I don't believe you, this doesn't match up, and then they were charged. They were charged with false accusations, so I'm like, in a, in a society where only one percent, two percent of you know the the victimizers are getting actually charged and you know going to court and so on, then you have these women that they'll take the time to charge mm-hmm. for making a statement that's true in most cases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that got me wound up again too, and I'm like. This is the thing, is if you get complacent, you miss that. Yeah. They say, well, they say,
0: there's men don't really need solidarity. Yeah. Right? Like, men are super individualistic because they don't need solidarity. Like, minorities and women need solidarity. Yeah. It's funny
4: because they don't have solidarity, but they always protect each other. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. And then the, the d- documentary before that was on um, missing and murdered indigenous um, and native women. Again, if you don't look for the history... And if it's not the history you've lived... Yeah. And it's interesting because you're talking about history,
0: but, like, the reality of the situation, especially in, like, Canada, when they're having these, like, infrastructure mm-hmm. initiatives and they they set up a housing development for the men working yeah. at the, on those projects, and the amount of indigenous women that go missing yeah. and are raped in the vicinity of those man camps.
4: Yeah. It's going on today. It's still, you know, it's... it's A lot of the pipelines. It's like living like history. Oh, yeah, yeah, sex trafficking, and yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing is, to me, that's social work. So when those women that are living and surviving and fighting for somebody to care about their missing person, mm-hmm. that is social work. When they have to create these collectives, when they have to create these movements, when they have to create these campaigns for Congress to care, for newspapers to care, for law enforcement agencies to do something about it. And I know funding is sometimes a, a problem too, but when these people, families, and largely women get this together, to me, that's social work.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: That is the broader definition of social social work because you're doing it for the greater good. You know, you're saying these people matter No matter their class, no matter the geographic location that they were born into, no matter their circumstances, their national, you know, or ethnic origin. Their sex. Yeah. mm -hmm. It matters. Yeah.
0: Do you think that, this is such a loaded question, do you think women are natural? do women make up a bigger
4: uh, portion of social workers than men? Do you know that? I don't know the statistics on it. What I see in my own bubble I definitely see more women. And the interesting fact is, too, then, you know, one of my coworkers is a phenomenal gentleman. And people always will say to him, but you're a man. Uh-huh. And they literally have, you know, proposed jobs to him saying that you're like a unicorn. And we need a man because, you know, sometimes our, our boys want to talk to a man. And I'm not saying that that's not true. Because, again, you know, if I had a therapist, I would probably prefer to speak to a woman because sure. it just makes me more comfortable. So I'm not saying it. But the fact that they people see him as a unicorn mm-hmm. leads me to believe, at least in my bubble, very possibly a lot, a lot more women. Do you think that women are naturally
0: predisposed to social work? Or do you yeah. think that women have it put on them? Do you think it's socialization that it's their job to take care of people?
4: You know, I I tend to believe that women are natural nurturers, natural mitigators, litigators, communicators. But I also believe that in some ways we are biologically kind of set that way like our brain development is, is in a way that earlier on the sides of our brain you know communicate a little bit more clearly our corpus callosum allows the sides to, to communicate better we start showing signs of empathy earlier and could it, could it be nature nurture yeah um, but historically we're not the war wagers historically we're not the colonizers again not that we're without blame Because there's always a fair share of that to go around for everybody. We
0: We benefit from... Absolutely.
4: You know, and I've even said it, that sometimes we're we're hardest on each other. But I like to believe that we are more nurturer rather than put on us. Or maybe it's just that we realize that we're just good at it.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) How did the profession of social work come about and... Why did women become such an integral part of social work?
4: Again, I guess it's going to be, it depends on your community. If you're a Cherokee woman, you're going to say, well, we've been doing it since the dawn of time. You know, we've always been doing these things. It just wasn't a classically trained you know, course. Patriarchal system. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If you're a Quaker woman, you might say, okay, well, we've always been doing this. Um, if you're in the black clubs or maybe, uh, earlier black churches, it, it was very dependent on women to create these networks, these letter writing campaigns, these, you would even mention it too. I would call it social networks. Mm-hmm. It was always up to the women. It always was up to the women. Cause we had such strong communication skills, Um, networking skills I guess it would just depend you know if you would look at the classical social work histories they would say it started with Francis Perkins right around the progressive era Um, so between 1880 1920 um, that's when everybody was trying to deal with the woes of industrialization let's fix society And sometimes that's coded for, like, cure the immigrant problem, the poverty problem. But this was access a lot of times for women into work, at least reputable work. Because women have often been in work, but it was considered disreputable. You were then a woman of the streets and or you were only doing it for pin money on the side. Um, So social work came about as a result of industrialization's impact on society, kind of? I would say the classical kind of timeline, yes. Mm -hmm. So that was when, let's go into people's homes and tell them... So again, it was right notion, sometimes wrong motion. Sometimes it was one step forward, two steps back. Like, orphan trains. Like, okay, let's... We're helping. (laughs) My air quotes are up in the air. And we're shipping people across the country, putting them to work. They're losing their families. But at the same time, it was a very paternal approach to it. Like, we know best... We're going to fix this. It was not culturally informed in many cases, but we've definitely come a long way since then.
0: You have a chart in your presentation that's almost like the movement of in social work over certain time periods. There's a two steps forward column and then the one step back.
4: And yeah. then you had put temperance underneath step back. It's a good question. And I want to know why. It's a good question. I think I was looking at that less about how it impacted women, because it was a step forward for many women to be able to have this position of authority. We are using motherhood and our position as women to go out and have a voice in the world. We are in politics, although not in politics. We are you know, at the table, we are authorities, we are respected. So it did give visibility and authority to women, but I think I was looking at it as more um, society. So I think it was just, like, trying to set such a constraint on society. Okay, again, right notion, maybe wrong motion. The problem
0: was not women drinking. No. The problem was men drinking. This is true.
4: (laughs) (laughs) This is true. So, you know, I just thought that was... uh... But this is, you know, women have had to use their, their position as mothers and housekeepers to clean up society. And so, yeah, you're right. And basically, that's what they would say. If you look at some of the advertisements, these advertisements would be like, well, we didn't create these problems in society. We didn't create tuberculosis, but we're going to clean it up. We didn't create, you know, drunkenness, but we sure will clean it up, you know, because we have this authority as women and housekeeping. But again, that takes brains to be able to wage that argument. Like, that is... Leverage. An acutely keen, tactical argument, but they were able to say, okay, if you're going to tell me this is all I'm good for, you're going to tell me that I can give birth, I can clean homes, and I can tend to homes and men, Mm -hmm. okay, guess what? I'm going to use that against you, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to prove it to you why now we should be the authority on everything, and that really did expand in a lot of ways. Again, non-traditional social work, so they're going to gather together, make a collective... And then also go out into society and say, okay, you know what? We will do our best to cure societal ills. Again, sometimes right notion, wrong motion. But the way they did it, they didn't have guidance. They didn't have courses. They didn't have licenses. They didn't have men telling them how to do it. They had to create it from the ground up. That's what women do. That is. And I guess that's, you know, it's always been about it's all women's work. You know, and and that's why my presentation was called It's Up to the Women because it's a quote from an Eleanor Roosevelt book. Mm -hmm. It's always been up to the women. It's always been. We've always had to figure it out. We've had to figure it out how I can walk down a dark street at night. I've had to figure it out when, you know, things are lost and can't be found. We've had to figure it out when people are sad and hurt, how to fix it. We've had to figure it out when you don't have two nickels to rub together. Or you have a child and you don't have a spouse and you don't have transportation and we've always had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And we're good at it. You know, we sometimes, whether it's through the structures of society, at least American society, capitalism, we sometimes have gotten kicked down, but we've always had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then we don't do it for just ourselves. Of course. We do it for others. Right. Can you talk about that Catherine Beecher quote about spheres? Is woman's
0: sphere the home when man has surrounded her children with evil?
4: Yes, I remember exactly. So I think what she was trying to do is argue for the broadening of the sphere to step outside of this public versus private and create the intersection into society that you have thrust these ills on us. So now we have to step out of the private And go into the public to essentially clean up all of these ills that you've created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I see where it says, women
0: should win everything by peace and love. Men's sphere was public life, politics, business, ambition, and achievement. Women's sphere was private life, family, persuasion, and living for others. Anything that throws a woman into the attitude of a combatant throws her out
4: of her appropriate sphere. Yeah. A lot of pacifists kind of laid the groundwork for the suffragist movements and... But again, too, I guess it, it, it's a tactic, too. If we are non-threatening, if we are a good example, then people will listen. You know, and it's that incremental steps that you had to take along the way that I'm grateful for. You know, a lot of women have had to crack open doors so the next people can kick them down, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. You mentioned
0: social networking. Social networking isn't something that I would readily think of as social work. Which I guess, would you mean, like, non-traditional social work? Non-traditional. I wouldn't think Because again, too, yeah. civil
4: rights movement would not have been nearly as successful if it wasn't for women mm-hmm. in the churches. Because a lot of the communications, a lot of the letter campaigns, a lot of the mobilizations were women, you know? Same thing with creating... God, what's this documentary? I think it's 21 Pearls about the first African-American sorority and they had to create their own medical programs because they didn't have access and if it wasn't through just essentially the, the old school networking through social channels, it wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. because it involved a lot of walking, talking, banging on doors, sitting in churches, writing letters, you know, newspaper columns, so on and so forth to be able to create these movements, which seems so impossible if you think about it today. Well, we, we
0: say that at the station a lot, uh, that we are so much more powerful together. Yeah. And that's another thing with individualism. You yeah. Know, do it yourself. Do it yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, we, could
4: do, we could be a lot more powerful if we work together. Absolutely. And maybe that's why the ethos of, you know, rugged individualism <laughs> is kind of fostered in America, because if if you're only worried about yourself, you're not going to pay attention, Mm -hmm. which makes good workers, which fosters great capitalism. Mm -hmm. You know? Because somebody's got to go to work. Mm -hmm. And if you're so worried about the world, it's hard to go to work and just make widgets.
0: Do you have anything else you want to add for our listeners who are mostly lesbian and
4: radical feminist? I guess my larger take-home would be on my soapbox, care about the people around you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) regardless of their circumstance, take care of the women around you, because I am unapologetically always gonna identify as a woman, and that is always gonna be the number one important thing to me. I don't care about anything else as as far as myself. Mm -hmm. And challenge yourself to broaden your understanding of your own histories, whether it's your women's history, your ethnic history, the history of violence of your people, the history of your communities in this country, the history of the work that you do, like, you gotta seek it, because if you don't, ain't no one gonna give it to you. Please don't get your history off of Facebook, and, you know, challenge that history again by talking about it with other people, because sometimes we're, <laughs> we're wrong, and sometimes we don't see the full picture, and it helps when somebody says, no, Gwen, you know, maybe I, I see this another way, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes me smarter. We are smarter together, and it's always going to be women's work. I don't care what it is. Everything in this world is going to be women's work from the moment you are birthed to the last breath, and that nurse that is probably a woman wipes your brow (laughs) and gives you the water that you need. So it's up to the women. This
3: is Joe Brew. You are listening to WLRN.
0: The ladies will kick it. The romp it is wicked. Those that don't know how to be crows get evicted. A woman could bear you, break you, take you. Now it's time to rhyme. Can you relate to? Our sisters open up to make you holler and scream.
4: Oh, yo, let me take it from here, queen. Excuse me, but I think I'm about due to get into precisely what I am about to do. I'm conversating to the folks who have no whatsoever clue. So listen very carefully as I break it down for you. Merrily, 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 high happy overjoyed. Please, with all the beats and rhymes, my sisters have employed. Slick new snooze, throwing down the to sound totally a yes. Let me state the position. Ladies first, yes? Yes.
1: Yeah, there's gonna
4: be some changes in right there. Believe me when I say being a woman is gracious, see. I know that all the fellas out there will agree with me. Not for being one, but for being with one. Cause when it's time for loving, it's the woman that gets some strong, stepping, struttin', moving on, rhyming, cotton, and not forgetting. We are the ones to give birth to the
0: new generation of prophets cause it's late. i break into a lyrical freestyle. Grab the mic, look Crowd and see smiles, cause they see a woman standing up on her own too. Sloppy slouching is something I won't do. Something that we can't flow. can't flow. Stereotypes, they got to
1: go. go. I'ma mess around and flip the scene into reverse. With what? With a little touch of ladies
0: first. That was Ladies First from Queen Latifah, featuring Money Love.
5: It should come as no surprise that women develop social work. Today, over 80% of social workers in the United States are women and that statistic will likely hold well into the future. Social work is women's work for the simple fact that we care about others' well-being and understand the role of relationships relative to that well-being. We could easily complain that here, as in so many other contexts, we women take on the lion's share of work to repair damage done mostly by men. But like it or not, we're the ones capable of that repair. We're good at it, and we want to do it. Social work is part therapy, part community organizing, part policy-making. It's psychological work, relationship building, and healing. It's also political in all the ways feminism is political. Engaging with and attempting to treat the effects of systemic oppression on individuals, families, and communities. Yet it's more personal, more down and dirty than whatever's going on in the government, electoral politics, and their dedicated groups. It's the kind of work that actually makes a difference in the daily lives of individual people. There's no power, glory, or money in it, just the opportunity to actually help others' lives suck less. Of course social work is women's work. Social work wouldn't exist if not for female empathy. Our empathy is often a double-edged sword, the quality that makes us in so many ways superior to men, but also the thing that makes us vulnerable to abuse, exploitation, burnout, and self-sacrifice. It is, in fact, our empathy for men that often holds us back as women on an individual and wider political scale. Over-empathizing with men is one reason many women are anti-feminists. Empathy is the ability to imagine yourself in someone else's experience and feel the emotions she feels. It goes hand in hand with compassion toward those who are suffering. Our compassion is what compels us to help and, when we can't help, to feel anguish on behalf of the other person. You can't be a good social worker without a deep inner well of empathy that extends to all human beings, including the ones utterly unlike yourself. Without that empathy, most women in social work would choose a different career path altogether—something easier, sexier, and more lucrative instead they dedicate themselves to serving others often in broken systems that make their jobs unnecessarily hard whether it's poverty mental illness substance abuse domestic violence disaster response or some other issue female social workers are in the trenches of society battling the issues our male-dominated government routinely ignores It's no wonder men have always been a small minority of social workers. Where women have too much empathy, men often have none at all. And certainly none for women and girls. If they could empathize with us, they would be unable to oppress us. But I digress. Social work, in ways psychotherapy does not, treats the individual in the wider social context of the family, the friend group, the community, the city, the country, etc., It is called social work for a reason. Its focus on relationships is another reason social work will always and should be a female-dominated discipline. Whatever the ratio of nature to nurture behind it, women are the ones who recognize the value of positive relationships and have the willingness, then hopefully the skills, to create those relationships. Collectively, our emotional intelligence, our desire and ability to connect with others, and our readiness to do the hard work of relationship development so far outmatch that of men it's a joke. We leave them in the dust. So when it comes to repairing relationships, building new ones, seeing and understanding how relationships impact the individual and vice versa, women are clearly the most qualified. We're the most qualified to ask the big questions at an academic level, The most qualified to support victims without doing them more harm. The most qualified to treat other women, who are so often the patients seeking a social worker's help, one-on-one. It's obvious to us that an individual's problems are rarely isolated to her. That it isn't just one patient's life that needs fixing, but the entire social system in which she lives. Beyond our relational wisdom, something else puts women at the heart of social work. Our sense of responsibility to the common good, to our fellow people. At a macro policy-making level, female social workers are the ones pressuring the rest of society to do better by its most vulnerable and challenged people. At a micro level, the individual female social worker often arrives at her profession, then commits to it out of her sense that she's personally responsible for improving others' lives and thereby the world at large. In so many different contexts, women say to ourselves, if I don't do it, who will? And we all know that usually the answer is no one. Social work is no exception. As I said earlier, we can debate how much of that responsibility is undue to us, but at the end of the day... I think we have a lot to be proud of as women. All the drawbacks aside, our empathy and compassion, our sense of responsibility to others, the decisions we make to help people and improve our world, make us the most valuable beings on the planet.
4: Thanks for listening to WLRN's 86th edition podcast on women and social work. WLRN would like to thank our guest this month for sharing her knowledge and insight with us. Thank you so much, Gwen, for speaking with us and for reminding us that a call to help or to be supportive in society does not require a degree or validation from patriarchal authority. Until next time, this is Thistle signing off on another WLRN podcast.
3: If you like what you are hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation. And if you are interested in joining our team, we are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. Thanks for listening. This is April signing off for now.
5: This is Sekhmet Shiaul signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spinster, Overit, and SoundCloud in addition to our
0: WordPress site. Thanks for listening. And this is Jenna. Thanks for tuning in. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month. So look for it on Thursday, July 6th. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interviews are released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN WordPress site. Before I bid you adieu this month, I want to shamelessly plug my favorite women's festival this summer, Michigan Framley Reunion. It is an event by and for women on a magical pine tree farm in southwest Michigan, the first weekend in August. MFR is a really special event that brings women together of all kinds. Maidens, mothers and crones, butches, femmes, our detransitioned sisters, lesbians, straight women, differently abled sisters, all of us. We vibe at MFR. There's a strong feeling of women's spirituality and liberation. We work together to make the event happen. In fact, women have been working for a couple months now to prepare the land. You could be part of those warrior weekends if you're local enough. If you've been wondering what the deal is or if you've been on the fence about going, join the community over at Michigan Framley Reunion's Facebook page and see what it's all about. Then head over to com to purchase your ticket before prices go up. Thistle and I will both be there. We'd love to see you there as well. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. We would love to hear from you, so please comment, like, and share widely. Stay strong in the struggle and thanks for listening. But
1: how will we find a way out of this? What is the antidote for the patriarchal kiss? How will we find what needs to be shown? And then after that, where is home? Tell me.